so fun. Well, I'm just glad I didn't ruin our Ledger's computer like oh. I ruined Colton Carey's <laughs> Xbox in eighth grade with a Diet Dr. Pepper. Well, I thank you. Was that the uh, original Xbox or was that the 360? That was the OG, baby. Played a lot of Halo Land party mm-hmm. party at that kid's house. He got so mad at me. What, were you just headshotting him or something? No, I just knocked over. He, oh, the, when you just it, yeah. It wasn't even mine because I don't drink diets. Uh, it there was, it was a diet dark pepper in the floor near the Xbox. And I mean, you put that some son of a bitch right away. No. I have to watch in this movie. I was reminded uh, quite a bit of a story my family tells. I think I've told it on the show before. Maybe. At some point. Um, my uh, grand- grandfather, my grandfather, mm-hmm. my, uh, my grandma's dad. Um, murdered a dude for driving a tractor across, I believe, a wheat field. He grew wheat and cotton, but I think it's a wheat mm-hmm. field. Um, shot him off the tractor. <laughs> and, as one does. Uh, as one does. And they sent him to jail. Uh, but he's breaking out in the summertime to go help with the harvest. And they eventually just quit bringing him back. Is the story of the 20s in rural Oklahoma. Wow. That is, that is, that is, that is. That rocks. I remember the story about him shooting a man off a tractor. I did not know about yeah, he kept just leaving. They you just just gave up. Just gave, you know, bringing him back. That's what the carceral state should be more like. If you're just committed to getting out of there, they should leave you alone. And that's part of like the capitalist motion, right? Is like if you can succeed, if you can do the thing, we'll let you do it. Bootstraps, man. Okay, so I'm glad. I don't know. I can't believe we're getting to this early in this episode. <laughs> but to me, early. that is one of the great injustices of Stephen Russell's stories. My man did very little wrong outside of be a bad partner, uh, which, you know, is a crime in and of itself. But getting one over on the state of Texas, I don't think pretty cool in my book. OK, just, um, just one man's opinion. He did steal close to a million dollars. It's all it's all, all on a computer. Nobody. <laughs> what do you, what from do you, a corporation. From a yeah, corpor- he's well, a sure. CFO of a corporation. Who, who? Where do you think they got that money? Dustin? Sure, Probably sure. blowing up a child. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, on that note, hello everybody and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast. We gather at a table. We discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film say Of course, we continue uh, working in the uh, proper fashion of the show, and uh, we're looking at I Love You, Philip Morris, starring a Gene Gene. Kelly, <laughs> Jim Carrey, and uh, Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGruger, and uh, so we're very, very, very bad. McGruber. I like Ewan McGruger. That's really good. Uh, so glad to be here. I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I am still Dalton. And uh, if you haven't tuned in the show for the, the first time, we want to warn you to listen to this is an analysis show, not a review show, and that does mean we're going to spoil the end of the movie. That's right. The life and times of Stephen and J. Russell will become uh, second nature to you by the time you're done listening to this. But we won't do it in the first part of the show. We'll have a synopsis, synopsis quick thumbs down reviews, and then a game called Spaying the Syllabus, which will sort of just uh, taste test the movie with maybe thematic spoilers at the worst. Then we play, play music to let you gotten down to business, and that's when all sports bets are off. So without any further ado, Arthur, could you delight us with that syllabus, please? Uh, my synopsis is, uh, flamboyant con artist Stephen Russell finds himself spiraling down a criminal rabbit hole to keep up with his lavish lifestyle, a game that only gets more difficult when he falls in love with Philip Morris. He does love that, that Philip Morris. He does love Philip, As I best think. as he can. No. Yes. Something's 
high, bro- broken inside of Steven. As a high-functioning sociopath. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're going to go around the go around the table about whether or not we like it or not. I have never seen it. Have you either seen it before? Yes, I oh, have. So you should I go first. Yeah. Because I am the virgin viewer, so it is, it is my oh, it's your obligation. It is, it is my your duty, duty and my joy. Oh, I'm so glad. My absolute joy to go first. What a treasure. How, how did you like I Love You? Philip Morris. It sure is better tiptoes. Um, I'll say. <laughs> this was your palate. You yeah. back to back these, right? This I, I, was a palate cleanser in purest form. You and, and me both, baby. And so my overall delight in the movie was probably higher than it deserves because it is a little bit also of the total whiplash that we saw before. There's not a, not enough you there. And uh, the repetitive nature of the escapes could... Because you're already doing a loose adaptation of the life of this person anyway. Anyway, there's a reason why you couldn't have ad bits of business and let him carry Jim Carrey, and that would have been a good time. Uh, it was really, really great until he finally got arrested, and then it got a little, mm, little soggy in the midsection. And then by the end, the the last con is a pretty great con, and that's also a lot of fun. But you could have more of that in the middle, and I wish it was more of that. I wish it was funnier. I think it's got more heart than Liar the Liar, but it's still less funny. So that's my general thoughts there on that. What, what do you think, Arthur? Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of in agreement with you. I think it's a fun time. Jim Carrey's great. McGregor's great. Uh, Leslie Mann. I uh, love seeing her pop up and stuff all, all the time. Um, so there's some fun, fun people here. Um, but yeah, it is just uh, it feels like that character just kind of starts out cranked to 11. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's no real room for it to kind of grow from there. Uh, when doing that madcap, zany, raising Arizona kind of thing uh, early on, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but I agree, like, I think the moment when he kind of first gets arrested and is in prison, like, there's some fun stuff, but it kind of bogs the story down a bit, or the, the, the momentum down a bit. And then I think when he um, uh, professionally goes straight, uh, it sort of kind of bogs down, down too. It's just, there are moments where it's just not super interesting because this character's already kind of been cranked as far as he can go. And there's not a lot of tension there, I think, think with that. I don't think it's a carry thing at all. I think it's just kind of the, the way the character is drawn and, and developed for the film. Um, beyond that, though, I think it's 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 a good time. There's some fun sets. There's um, an incredible uh, sort of smash cut to uh, how we discover that uh, Stephen Russell is, in fact, uh, a gay man. Um, yeah, that's pretty good. It's, it's a great reveal. Gay, 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 gay. <laughs> Uh, and, and so there are moments of genuine like uh, flair, and I think some really proficient things taking taking place with direct and editing. Uh, I think really for me, uh, all that's firing really well. It, it really is just some narrative beats that kind of don't really kill it for me. It's just I, I wish maybe there's another way. Maybe kind of like you said, like you know, embellish a little more, like mm-hmm. carry have a little more rain or. Or do something because uh, I think when it's highly operating within that sort of madcap zini, uh, it's at its best. And when it kind of tries to slow down and do something thing with more weight to it, it kind of hindered a bit. But like, uh, uh, I can't remember his name. Is it Vernon? Uh, I can't remember the the uh, prisoner. Uh, who, you know, my reward is my bond. Oh, uh, Clay, Clay, Clarence, Clarence, It's the else name. Cletus. Yeah. Um, Cleavon. Oh, yeah, uh, Cleavon, like that, that dude bit is rocks. so fun. That it's, it is like both really tragic and like really like touching. It's like yeah, it's it's to, it's, it's a tonal like tight a cartoon rope. character kind of thing. Yeah, it's a tonal tightrope that I think works. Yeah, I'm with you. So those are like those moments are, are a lot of fun. But then there's just like like working at like some big firm and like coming and it's part of the movie. Like it feels it feels like just west to kind of go. Yeah. Um, it's not super fun. And like, there are kind of illusions like 
maybe he's starting to re- repeat some bad behavior. Mm-hmm. And, and we see some of it, but there's like, you know, is he being faithful to Philip Morris? Like all those kinds of, they're kind of coming up, but we're never really drawn in the direction. It kind of just glosses to the next thing. So um, it's a lot of fun. Have a good time with it. I've seen it. Gosh, uh, I don't know how long ago, oh, probably over 10 years now. Um, cause this comes out in 2009. I think I mm-hmm. think I saw it like in 2010, 2011. Um, and to go back to it, uh, and just, you know, this is kind of a weird rebuilding period for Jim Carrey, I think in 2009 as well. Um, trying, I'm trying to read himself, um, in the, in Hollywood and in movies. Uh, so it sits in an interesting place, uh, for that. Uh, and I always love you and Gregor. So, uh, more positive than not. Yeah. Okay. What do you think, Dalton? I like this a lot. Yeah, this is really fun. I, I think I'm with you guys. I think it's it's a little long in the tooth just in terms of it's not even that long of a film. It's like an hour and 45. If, if that. If that. Hour yeah, it's like an hour 40, yeah. Um, but but it, there's something about about just the of Stephen J. Russell's story that is by its nature repetitive. Mm-hmm. And, and you mentioned this in your letterbox review, Arthur, just like, like the, the victory of the story like requires some repetition that gets a little tedious. Uh, and I think I'm on board with that reading. But I, I think... I don't know. I, I hate to drag tiptoes a bunch, but I'm going to this episode because this is a film that also, well, we'll get to that representation stuff and identity here in a second. But this is doing a lot of different tones the same way with tiptoes is. This has a much firmer grasp on its tone and, and, and the man tone. The funny parts are funny. The heartfelt parts are heartfelt. And you're not ever confused about what any given scene is supposed to be, even when some tones are coexisting, even when, when multiple tones are happening at once, it, it feels like a cohesive decision as opposed to like a, a whiplash or a, or a, a sandwich that smells wrong. Well, <laughs> there's, there's an editing thing. There's a moment with the confrontation and a slap and the slap goes to a freeze frame. Mm-hmm. So it's the serious bit of the confrontation. Mm-hmm. And then it gets into a bit of the talking back and forth was a little funny, and then it moves into heartfelt. Like, there's a way in which it, the editing itself kind of knows how to uh, walk that line. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a well-managed. Inconceivably, there's not an hour of this on the cutting room floor in the Correct. same way that Tippetoes was, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And this, uh, you know, you know, you might be asking yourself, Dalton, you had this whole diatribe about Gary Oldman playing a person of small stack last week. What about where where is your, your ire? For Jim Carrey and Ewan McGregor. Well, first of all, I subscribe to the belief that all actors are a little bit gay. Uh, so <laughs> that's right there. There's your theory. Where's your theory now, buddy? Uh, number two, uh, technically they on and hugged on dudes to make this movie. You do gay shit to make a movie. I don't know what to tell you. That's good enough for me. I saw somebody on Letterboxd say they had both have honorary area gay card something for this movie. And I thought it was very funny. Mm. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess uh, these these waters are a little it's it's not hard to act what it's like to love a person, regardless of their gender. Some things like uh, the life of a person of small stature are not the fodder for an actor to wonder about. Uh, quite such. Now, I, I agree. There, there is a, an issue with sort of sexual identity in Hollywood. Uh, there's not feeling like they can be out of the closet because there are plenty of actors who are by and not out. Uh, mm-hmm. There's plenty of actors who are gay and out, and it and it makes the role. Matt Bomer's a great example of somebody mm-hmm. who's yeah. out working as an actor, and that definitely creates complications for him, for him in terms of the gets. So mm-hmm. I think there's a whole conversation maybe we'll get into when we get into analysis, but. I'm about to say it's just not as much of an issue here as it is in tiptoes. It's it's a different thing entirely. 
but uh, you know, I, I agree. It's something we should consider and talk about. And maybe we will. But uh, overall, I think it handles that stuff very well. You know, nobody's doing like, yes, Ewan's character, Philip Morris, is a little feat, but he's not caricature. Mm-mm, you I don't think so. I mean, honestly, the caricature stuff that that is bothersome is sort of regional stuff with Carrie. The accent's not right, and it's kind of there in some scenes and gone in other scenes. Uh, it just uh, do- doesn't quite feel right for the region uh, as much as I, I kind of do like him in this performance. But uh, otherwise, no, I, I think, you know, it's it's a little messy and it's uh, not really doing anything ultimately very special. But I, I do I think it's a compelling story. And since nobody wrote a book about Stephen Russell, it's good somebody movie about him because he is a very interesting figure mm-hmm. uh, and, and worth discussing. So I, I think it's a, a really fun film. And. You know, you know, just remind a movie that doesn't get really made a ton anymore. Uh, even this, though, this is a Eurocorp movie, so it's kind of outside the American studio system to begin with. I mean, it made its budget back in Europe before it even opened in the States, so kind of a non-issue for this release. But uh, again, just, you know, a movie you would you would like to see movie stars in, you would like to see get made. It's It's got romance, it's got comedy, it's got hijinks. Yeah, I think there's a lot to like here. All right. Well, thank you very much. There are uh, general views, dear listener. They are generally pro. In this case, we're going to move on to the next part of, next part of our show, which is Expanding the Syllabus, and Arthur is going to explain what that is all about. All right. Um, expanding the Syllabus is the point in the show where we uh, do this little thought, thought experiment. We assemble an uh, academic course or module within a course based around uh, the assigned viewing for the week and adjacent texts. And that could be books, articles, vehicles, video games, uh, a fifth sonata. I don't know. You know? <laughs> what you're going to pick? I don't know. You know. Mona Lisa, maybe. Who knows? The Mona Lisa is what we're picking. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to pair it with I Love You, Philip Morris. Okay. Well, very good. Do you have a syllabus prepared? my friend yeah I, I think um i just maybe talk a little bit about prison movies yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's a genre okay. really gotten into i don't think often on the show and so uh it's something i think we'd take maybe a look at and so uh obviously for shawshank redemption uh, go there um just because it has this sort of place and you know dude bro uh canon and you know for a long time and uh, has a very specific place and I think a very specific time in the 90s uh, when it comes out um, and it's a good, good movie last I remember it's been a while since I've seen it but I remember really liking it and so uh, overall pleasant movie um, and then keeping on with the thematic train there of uh, Stephen King we go to the Green Mile um, take, take a look at that with John Coff- Coffee. Uh, like the drink, but just spelled different. Um, and Michael Clark Duncan doing a great job in this kind of fun, supernatural thing that's taking place. Uh, a fun ensemble of uh, that guy actors running out of cast, led by Tom Hanks. Uh, and uh, a good time. Uh, kind of a real... revisit that. Yeah. yeah. It's been so long since I've seen it. I mean, probably since I was young. I think it still holds up. I think I saw it a year or two ago. Yeah. Does the whole... I mean... I, I, there's no other word phrase for this magical Negro problem. The problem that that movie is, does that sort of loom large over it. I don't think much? it does because I think I think the the sort of uh, theological Jesus skin it wears because interesting. They're, interesting. they're the Roman Jesus, right? Okay, I can I can buy that. Okay. Um, from there we'd go. Uh, we'd take a look at the longest yard. Uh, mm. You take your pick. I would probably go with the Sandler one because it's the one I've seen, but. 
Uh, who doesn't want to watch a sports movie set in a prison? Um, because it's, it's a fun combination of genres. Yeah. See also Hurricane, Undisputed. Mm, yeah. Hurricane. That's a good one. That's a real good one. And kind of gives us like a little social problems film as well. Sure. That we can talk about. Uh, sp- uh, speaking of prison, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, Bronson. Uh, a <laughs> yeah. little bit of Tom Hardy. A little bit of Nicholas <laughs> Winding Refn. Yeah, and just... Uh, an absolute gon- gonzo performance. It's just a blast. Fighting cops, hog out, greased up. <laughs> that's life. <laughs> um, yeah, and so that's what we do. We just take a look at some different prison movies, uh, talk about different portrayals of prison and like how that also kind of shapes uh, mm. probably cultural understanding of you know prison life and don't drop the soap and those sorts of things that come up. Maybe uh, a bit of Oz. I don't know. That was, uh, you know... One of HBO's first major shows, I think. Yeah, yeah, uh, big ways. So a big breakout for J.K. Mm. Simmons. Yeah, in the history of exploitation cinema, there's an entire oh, there, I mean, yeah. Big Bird Cage, all, all those women yeah. in prison, women in prison things. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, it, it is a genre that runs deep and wide, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think it'd be fun to look at that. And I, I love you, Philip Morris. Isn't I mean, it's central portion, or at least the first part of the second act is a prison movie. Yeah. Um, but it's fun. A prison movie and would lead us into some other places to kind of look at different portrayals of prison and the the uh, justice system from that kind of angle rather than we've kind of talked about it from the you know criminal pursuit and uh, the courtroom but now kind of looking at it from uh, the prison element as well as well mm-hmm. that's great that sounds great what do you think Dalton well this film is co-written and co-directed by Glenn Ficarra and John Rayka mm-hmm. and, and uh, eager listeners will remember we've discussed one of their films before uh, Focus, the Will Smith, Margot Robbie joint. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. so I would actually use uh, this film in sort of a um, debunking or uncover or demis- debunking or demystifying auteur theory, um, and we would sort of look at <laughs> Glenn Ficarra and and uh, Reka on um, a list of other sort of mid-level auteurs, uh, sort of auteurs who are not celebrities, auteurs who do not get big budgets. And we would sort of sort of examine. And Dustin, isn't there a word for this uh, category of auteur? And sort of, uh, you know, there's the auteurs of commerce, of course. Well, like and, like and the here. vulgar, vulgar auteurs. But, but they're they're not even they're not even vulgar. They're yeah. not. They're, they well, don't they fit into that. Movements at that point. They're just sort of yeah. journeymen. And yet, when you look at their filmography, there are a lot of through lines and sort of preoccupations. So I, I think they would be good to pair along somebody like a Chris Columbus, or. Hell, even as a Mechus, you know, somebody with a bigger budget, yeah, Reiner the big one, uh, because I think when you look at their work. You know, I mean, you've got Focus, Focus, which is another con movie like, mm-hmm. like this, another grift movie. You've got Crazy Stupid Love, which is sort of a, a rom com, sort of. You know. But it has, a, I mean, it does have a little bit of. I don't know that I'd call it a con, but there's that, that kind of presenting yourself as something other than you are to get what you want in this kind of ecosystem of the relationship yes and this is i guess it is also worth mentioning that they don't they don't write on that one uh that's a uh, the guy that did the this is us uh dan woman i think that's mm. his screenplay um but i i think like whiskey tango foxtrot the tina fey war journalist movie it has a lot in common with this in terms of its sort of glossy magazine feel biopic they also we crash show uh about uh we work um, I forget who, or we crashed rather not we crash, uh, with, uh, Jared Lowe and Anne Hathaway. Um, another sort of real life grifter story. Um, mm. again, this, this time dealing with, you know, billions of dollars and sort of the startup grifters, um, and, and venture capital and those stories. But again, 
all of these stories like have in common either being a grift story or a love story or um, a, a based on true event story, especially, especially Philip Morris, We Crashed, and Whiskey Tango, Whiskey Tango Fox, sort of mm-hmm. carrying this through line of kind of docudramas. Not docudramas, but at least, uh, again, I say magazine because they all feel like, even if they weren't, they feel like human interest stories from from like, a, you know, a Newsweek or a Time. So, you know, a, one of those publications that barely exists mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. But they, they all feel like sort of a, a human interest story you'd find in one of those or be a long profile on Stephen Russell or a long profile on uh, the war journalist that Faye plays in Whiskey Tango Fox. Because right? I think that one's actually based on that journalist's memoir, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, so, yeah, I, I think all of these are kind of interesting as far as just, you know, looking at filmmakers that don't sort of get labeled as auteurs, but looking at the similarities and like they like to pursue themes that crop back up. And I think, again, visually... And it feels kind of backhanded and dismissive to call these magazine movies, but there is a look on all these films that is kind of glossy and polished, at least the ones that I've seen, Whiskey Tangle, mm-hmm. The Foxtrot, and Crazy Stupid Love, and this one. The, there is kind of this new Hollywood, not new Hollywood as in the 70s, but like new as in the digital era, this sort of digital sheen, sheen on all of it. Doesn't look bad, but definitely sets it apart from sort of celluloid filmmaking in some ways visually. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested in the look look of all of these they've done, even though none of not a one of them is like in and of itself like very eye catching or popping. Mm. Like, you know, folks has got fancy cars and clothes, and same with this because of you know sort of the con stories. Uh, but again, I just think they're kind of an interesting case study, and two two auteurs have worked together a lot, um, and, and aren't you know going to be labeled to that box and aren't going to be written about. Uh, at great length, like mm-hmm. somebody like, you know, your Finchies or these or your Combs uh, for another pair. Um, so, you know, that's, that's an interesting route that I, I think is fun. Dustin, what about you? Where, where are you taking this? Man, I, I tell you what, my favorite kind of characters in the movies are the cons, the grifters, uh, the guys who are trying to pull a hustle of some sort. Mm-hmm. And so um, there's an, I mean, there's a ton of these, but my, my sort of like just off the top of my head sort of movies that I'd want to look, look at uh, would be Old Man of the Gun. For a good, find a criminal, you know, bank robber kind of movie mm-hmm. uh, for this kind of stuff. Uh, Catch me if you can, you know, is another great example mm-hmm. of that. And uh, and then probably Nightmare Alley to sort of show the dark Ooh. side, scary Ooh, side yeah. of, of what's going on. Which version? Uh, I, the new one. Okay. I, I prefer. I mean, they're both good, but I prefer the new one. I mean, it's. I mean, Del Toro. Toro's one's a B picture and one's a Del Toro picture. So I feel you. That, that you know, I mean, it's definitely uh, slicker and shinier and and uh, pretty in ways you want. And I love those um, fun, those carnival scenes and the way they're lit. And yeah. you just can't do that on black and white photography. And so uh, yeah, uh, I prefer that quite a bit. So yeah, just an exploration of just what motivates and why, and not even so much the the why so much because it seems these movies are more interested in just the hijinks itself. You never really kind of it's compulsion. But you never really have the compulsion in any way sort of explored or explained. And I think that might be a question that we might ask. And we might read some logical texts about grifters and grifting uh, just to sort of figure out some of the diagnosis of this and then kind of reevaluate the movies, movies based on find uh, in our research uh, might be the... I might be the delight of that kind of stuff. So there you go, dear listener. Your syllabus just got much longer, but I believe now it's time we get down to business. Business. 
And that's right, dear listener, that business is, as always, analysis. Um, comedies tend to be thin, but we can begin with the thing that we've been talking about since last week, which is that question of representation. And uh, Dalton sort of made a point earlier on that, you know, that, you know, this movie negotiates some of that um, queer face. Um, yeah, is that what you would call it? I don't, I don't know. know. No, I, I, making up a little seems like just making an easy joke, and I don't yeah. want to really get into that too, too much. No. But, I mean, something along those lines. However, Hugh McGregor plays a housewife damsel in distress, and I don't like that. He kind of does, yeah. yeah. But that's sort of more to do with what's going on with Stephen, right? Mm-hmm. Stephen is not at peace with who he is. Uh, I, I watched a short bit of YouTube doc about Stephen Russell, the real person, uh, and he tried to live openly um, after he, you know, first, first, uh, you know, left his wife and, and uh, started working as a you know, produce manager for multiple companies <laughs> under different pseudonyms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, he, he doesn't know how to do, do any other way. But, you know, he got fired from jobs for being gay, you know, because mm. of Texas in the 80s and sure. 90s. So um, that sort of discrimination mixed with this sort of inherent rejection he feels because of the the way in which he was adopted um there's just a lot going on in this person's psychology that kind of stops them from being able able to do anything with the person they love but put them in a tower mm-hmm. and keep them there for safekeeping you sure know? i get what you're saying though about the the, the way phil Harris is sort of used in this film we don't really philip doesn't get interiority really yeah either. he's really underused yeah yeah, yeah. and then that that might be and, he, and it, uh, his performance is a little, little bit of pearl clutching sort of getting vapors mm. you know throughout and, mm. and again i just i mean real scarlett o'hara kind of energy sure in his performance there and i'm yeah. not sure i love that it feels part of the like zaniness though of the the yeah trying to capture it feels in line with the tone for yeah. sure like not qu- it's not quite cartoony but it's almost to that i'm almost almost a caricature of a of a gay son dandy you know it's sort of like what what if i was a little cartoon fox you know he's almost not a real person mm-hmm. and i think that is that kind of what you're getting at arthur is it yeah. kind of that madcap tone yeah kind of permeates the characters too yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the gay, gay, gay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. even mm-hmm. there's, I mean, Jim Carrey is a cartoon, right? Sure, sure. By and large. And I think that is something you just kind of yeah. inherently sign up for in your movie if you're sure how to use it or if it's not yeah. a very specific thing. Well, and if he's your lead, that's kind of the tone you have to go with. I'm curious about the Matt, Matt Damon verse movie because he's somebody who was approached and turned it down. It feels much different. Well, I've yeah. seen The Informant. So, yeah, sure. Which is kind of there but he's not, kind, of, not, kind of funny yeah, yeah. But he's um, a different kind of funny and i th- i think i i guess that's the thing is like is this you know how is this character written on the screen page versus because mm-hmm. you know the thing i was kind of thinking about of this idea of representation and um casting you know presumably straight actors to play uh gay characters and thinking about the idea of carrie if you know like if they had specifically, specifically had care writing this, mm-hmm. like the idea of this this character, you know, like Carrie's gonna play it a very specific way, way. like you yeah. up for something very specific when you get Carrie in. He was Just somebody- like with Robin Williams, like Robin Williams is gonna bring a very specific yeah. energy, and like it's like, yeah, he's this character, this person's gay. Um, but Jim Carrey's just the the person for the, the job, mm-hmm. right? No matter what, and like 
that's also kind of a part in casting and production. We talked last week about the business side of like get film finance. You have to have names. Uh, sometimes there's just, there's just like the actor you want. Yeah. Who, like the person. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how much of that was actually on the page versus, you know, if they had a had approached other people kind of chopping this around. The thing I saw was like Damon and Carrie were the two they had in mind. It was from what I saw. And that could be apocryphal, but that was, you know, some sort of IMDb and Wikipedia service level research that seemed to be who who is always number one, number two, mm-hmm. which again, like right there tells you do they only have one version of the movie in mind or they have different versions yeah. of the movie. But something you were just talking about, Arthur, kind of made me think, think about something we touched on with this question of representation, which is like, we're talking about sexuality, which is something that's a little bit more fluid, a little bit more, more something that is not immutable the way we want to put people in the boxes and say it is right. You know, mm-hmm. this is something that exists on a spectrum that, that of all a person's lifetime, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, you're gay when you're nine. Sometimes you see dicks everywhere and it doesn't, uh, you know, occur to you that that <laughs> might say something about you too much later in life. You, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, being a person with dwarfism, uh, being of a certain racial or ethnic minority background, like some of these things, and even those things are, you know, not f- fluid, but uh, socially constructed and you know, as immutable as we want them to be. But there's still, you know, history and culture that kind of compounds. What am I getting at? I'm just saying that there's a different thing going on here when we have sexuality cast sec- with sexuality going on in casting. Now, now I think as opposed to gender identity, because you mentioned Jared identity. Leto before. Yes, yeah. well, with sort of, and again, like, like, yeah, with, and again, gender, sure, more fluid, also, you know, sort of a fluid identity that can, can, can shit and move throughout time. And if, you know, there's a difference between, you know, being non-binary or gender non-conforming or, you know, uh, transitioning to a, a, another identity and, you know, playing with gender the way rock stars do, right? Just because sure. you put on, mm. have long hair to wear to put on a dress for. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, there's you know, Bowie, Prince, St. Vincent, like all mm-hmm. kinds of, you know, a, a long tradition of playing with gender and queering rock and roll. Like, very cool. I'm all, all for it. I, I guess it becomes a question of what kind of movie are you making mm-hmm. and what are you... Because if if you have Jim Carrey in a, like a much more issues heavy movie, then yeah, it might be it might be a little it might be a little different as opposed to this this sort of zany kind of broad comedy. comedy. And again, I think what we're speaking to does does a larger social issue if there are not a ton of outworking actors because of you know societal bigotry and mm-hmm. you know and industry. You know, again, everybody likes to talk about how woke Hollywood is, but the, if you actually look at the history of Hollywood, whether it's labor politics or, you know, racial politics, like Hollywood is not this sort of bastion of inclusivity and uh, and uh, social progress that they, they position themselves to be sometimes. So, I mean, this this issue with, you know, queer actors and outness is something that's been going on. For, I mean, obviously, you know, you got famous cases of actors being outed uh, mm-hmm. and that changing their careers. I mean, I mean, it, it ruins the gamut on acceptance. I mean, Ellen's a good example to look to with what happens at her show when she tries to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some famous examples I'm forgetting right now. Um, but yeah, I, I think all, all of this comes to the question of, as you said, Dustin, what about, you know, gender identity, which can, you know, at much with sexuality, kind of considered something that's fluid and then evolves throughout a person's lifetime. 
you know, it's simply a different thing. Different thing. Sorry, Leto. I don't know what to tell you, man. Uh, and sorry, Scarlett Johansson. There's that, that that trans man who was like a, a mm. strip club owner. Was that name name of that movie? I don't you know. know what I'm talking about. Yeah, though. but I'm also thinking about like the Danish girl, right? With uh, what's sure. the with Redmayne, who no. we, we are such big fans of, aren't we? No, you know, <laughs> nobody I've ever wanted to punch more <laughs> than Eddie Redmayne. Such a punchable face. Well, that's why he's so good in Jupiter Ascending because he's just playing the biggest smarmiest douchebag no. in the galaxy. I just, I'm just mad that he beat Michael Keaton, I think, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Burn, yeah, yeah. 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 pretty jacked. Um, but if I saw him, I, I, like, I, I think I'd punch him, but I don't know that I would punch him. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. <clears throat> and you never have that, that problem with... I think of other examples of straight, nominally straight actors, because, again, I think there's always this question of, like, how out, out is anybody out their true identity in Hollywood when you know being out is going to change your career? Mm-hmm. Um, but nominally straight actors, let's say, how does this this question of them, you know, let's uh, Heath Ledger and Jill Hall, you know, a much beloved mm-hmm. film, like yeah. both nominally straight guys, wink. Uh, but uh, I, I look, I don't know if Jill Hall would kiss me. I'd kiss him. And that's <laughs> between me and my God. Uh, uh, Especially Roadhouse, huh? <sighs> We don't have time. We don't have time to get into it, Arthur. We'll talk speaking about it later. Speaking of vapors, uh, we don't have time to get into it. Getting house. getting sweaty over there. I am getting a little sweaty over here, and it's not just because I'm mad that movie's not coming out in theaters. Uh, I I am feeling back to do a corner. I feel like I have to like be able to give you an answer, Dustin, about mm-hmm. like why some of this is okay and why some of it is not okay. And I, I it's kind of the the Supreme Court and pornography question. Well, I, I think it's. Well, I think part of what we're hitting on here is whatever conclusions we find ourselves at, we need to we need to be fluid there. That's where the where the fluidity you know, point. might need to be emphasized. Is that we need to hold those conclusions with a loose hand and be willing to consider more input, mm-hmm. more thought, and and just and again, just not not be willing to sort of draw the line quite so broad, broadly mm-hmm. or brightly mm-hmm. uh, between. You know what we find acceptable, what we don't. You know we're 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 you know we're on the line. You know blackface bad. You know mm-hmm. we, yeah. we can sort of we can say that that's unnecessary and just harmful and hurtful and mm-hmm. historically got problems. But you know a, a question like a film like this or well or but even to the one example example you Tropic Thunder sure sort of like a, a kind of weird past. gold standard of like doing a thing you're not allowed to do really really well mm-hmm. like saying something and being funny. Yeah, so you're right. Maybe you, we we can only hold so many truths to be self-evident. We have to be flexible, as mm-hmm. you say. I think that's a good yeah. point. Let's speaking of flexibility. Let's talk about the law. Let's talk about <laughs> money. The law. And I, don't, I don't find the law to be all that flexible. Unfortunately, it's not. <laughs> uh, and that's sort of the problem if with laws. <laughs> Philip Moore, or I keep wanting to think. Jim Carrey is, if Stephen Russell had swindled that many poor people mm-hmm. and done it somehow legal you know legally oh he's ceo at a different company yeah, right. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. but since he's taking money from rich people mm-hmm. that becomes a much bigger problem you said it man not me so that's the you know that's the thing about the law yeah in this movie it works and, for some and, people I mean, in, in real life and in real life yeah, yeah it works for some people not for others hey there enron um i steven russell we can only truly a a champion of the mantra "Be gay, do crime." <laughs> I know, I mean, are those things are those things linked? Like, <laughs> now, now it was the crime. <laughs> Leslie Mann tried to ask, "What is that actor's name?" name? Uh, is Jimmy? Um, oh, anyway, I, I know that actor, uh, Rodrigo Santoro. Yes, thank you. He's been he's he's, he's uh, in, in three hundred rise. Well, he's 
Xerxes actually in the three hundred movies. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, three hundred. Yeah, cool. Anyway, uh, yeah, <laughs> that scene of her asking him at the hospital about the crime and gayness is very funny. Oh, so fun. the stealing, yeah. yeah, is that part of it? <laughs> well, here's the thing, kind of right. When society criminalizes, I don't want to say a lifestyle because that's a really outdated way to talk about sexuality. Uh, identity. Identity. Thank you. Uh, when when society criminalizes identity, whether that's, uh, you know, because of where you are on the sexuality spectrum or uh, where, where you are under spectrum. I mean, uh, speaking of, you know, queer characters doing crime, I think a lot of the, the Laverne Cox character uh, from Orange is the New Black, yeah. who's like using petty crimes and scams to finance her transition. Uh, you know, so it's there is sort of this interesting Venn diagram, this sort of overlap where the criminalization of queer identity uh, kind, kind of necessitates a continuation of crime. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, if I'm already an outcast, if I'm already a pariah, I might as well profit off of it. So there is there is sort of an ending like chicken and egg question there for for not everyone, but at least let's just say Stephen in this this question, which, again, kind of brings us back to this possible sociopathy of Stephen's, this, this maybe this narcissism, whatever's mm-hmm. going on with him that stops him from being able to say being with Philip is enough, whatever, whatever is going on in him that like needs the rush of like wealth and theft and equal measure. Yeah, I'm a little hasty, I think, maybe, in calling him a sociopath or a narcissist. Yeah, we don't need to, uh, you know, give him a fucking Di- diagnosis. Diagnosing, yeah, diagnosing. Well, it does seem as though he does have genuine feelings and genuinely feels the pain of others. Like that last scene where he is, is you know, I mean, it doesn't seem to be like faked heart, manipulative heartbreak, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it certainly could be. And I mean, that's a, that's a sort of interpretive move that you have to make as a viewer. But I think the movie wants you to believe Jim Carrey you know, at that particular moment, mm-hmm. uh, for that. And so, yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, as you were mentioning that moment, I thought, well, maybe I need to backpedal that just a hair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and whatever Stephen Russell's foibles di- diagnosable rise, I think we, we can all agree that my man being on 23 hour fucking shoe lockdown <laughs> for, being, for, for leaving being a con artist and for leaving yeah, yeah. i mean that's really just because the he's crime, an escape because you, you dipshits him. can't keep him inside yeah. you're gonna lock the, this dude up in like the most inhumane conditions you can put a person like i th- you don't need to, me to tell you that solitary is bad for the human brain i think right. you just need to reevaluate your systems if some guy's just gonna keep getting one over <laughs> that's what i'm yeah. saying he uh, can't have that i mean the movie paints into into stuff very resourceful into you know stealing bags and mm-hmm. dying uniforms, but truly you can't have that much like like all real. No, I, I, no those I, are true, yeah, 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 which I love. But I'm just I'm just thinking like it's not like he's like gaining 400 pounds overnight, like like yeah. fat suit and like walk, you know, like yeah. breaking his nose and like yeah, reshaping his yeah, suit yeah, entirely. Like, yeah, he's I, not a just, criminal mastermind in that no. sense. He's just sort of looking for opportunity and always looking. I mean, that's the thing about being institutionalized is that a person just sort of like, well, I'll just do my, my time, keep my head down and stay out of trouble. That's that's the way institutions are supposed to work, you know, uh, for good and for ill. And uh, Stephen Russell just, just refuses to stay. He's like, no, I don't want to be here. And I want to. No, no, I got uh, other things to do. Yeah, I'm gonna make obtain my own release. Uh, it's kind of a nice portrait of like not co-parenting because he's a pretty bad, bad parent, pretty bad co-parent. But at the very least, like you know, maintaining a nice relationship mm-hmm. with your the parent, the other parent of your children. And, he calls, you know, he checks in. Yeah, you know, being good with your ex, kind of nice. It, there's, it's just interesting, like the ways in which this film like 
sort of shows like good relationship models and good behavioral models and the ways in which it like shows things that you should not do. If you're going to enter your partner into a life of crime, you got to let him in on it. You can't just do that. For, you can't yeah. make a decision for something. By the way, I've been robbing banks. By the yeah. way, I've been signing your name on uh, check frauds. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. I really wanted a plot where he was more of a planner. Like the whole time he was trying to get to Philip uh, mm. after the initial set of escapes. Like, I have all this money in a hole somewhere. We're going to go to Cabo. Well, it, it, you bring up the like, I want more they already are doing so much like a lot of some of those breakout attempts are for if I understood the timeline presented to me in the documentary I watched part of a lot of these escape attempts that we see like after he goes back to prisons and when him and Steven are living together in Houston, some of those breakout attempts are like from before he even knew Philip Morris, mm. if, if I understand the time timeline right. So like if we're already moving the breakouts, you know, moving the t- timeline like. We can fudge some other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Come yeah, on. I mean, absolutely. Which we talked about with the Gran Turismo movie. Yeah. Like, if you're you're adapting somebody's life to dramatic ends, like, make it dramatic. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Movies aren't real life. Yeah. Right. They're better. <laughs> with all the boring parts cut out. They're all the boring parts cut out, and you get a little postscript that tells you everything you need to know, to know about where it is today. <laughs> unless it's Gene Dealman. Um, Unless it's Gene Dealman. That's true, but that's sort of an anti-movie, as right, we right. discussed. Um, do you? Speaking of, can you imagine the Gene Dillman version of Philip Morris? That's what I was just about to say. I mean, so much. Philip Morris is like such a kind of convinced film in some ways, you know? No, oh, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. weeks of him gathering green pens. Like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just hour by hour, uh, him sitting in the toilet, dying that cost that uh, mm. outfit. Yeah. Wow. Uh. I don't know. What do we talk about? We talked about crimes made up, money's made up, sexuality's made up, sort of. Prisons is made up. Prisons made up. Not good. We don't like it. Prison bad. I, I think that's an official yeah. stance. I can go with uh, prison bad. Car- carceral state. No good. Uh, what else? Uh, adoption's good, but you know, abandoned kids in a parking lot. Yeah, probably seems ill-advised. Not. Bad okay. for bad for their mental health. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has an older and younger. That's I'm such a middle. <laughs> that's such a funny gag. There's some real good bits in there. There are. It's like legitimately there very are. funny. Uh, yeah. The the image of him throwing himself down that escalator is just like I mean he's like fully committed. Flutterled out. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's going to stay a real injury. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love to see the setup they had for him to like the crash pad pads that were him to fall on because. Boy, does he really throw himself at that fall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe that's what the movie needed, was some more physical couple comedy, some more of the slip and fall gags. Yeah, I mean, that's the stuff that really works about it. Yeah, him missing the dumpster. Well, him just like, (laughs) also living his most extravagant life, right? With those moments where he's like poolside at the hotels or they're in the island or what, like, we don't get enough of those kind of moments, I think. Getting him and Steven, or him and Philip, and Philip, the Mass L, the, I think, is that what they are? I don't know, Mercedes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. The matching Mercedes. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We get a lot more of the mundane and the working in the prison rather than the the foibles. So here's my headcanon, by the way, when he's down in Miami. It's the same place in Miami where uh, Nathan Lane and Robin Williams live from the birdcage. And I want a cameo scene. Yeah, with them together. More than anything, that they just used to hang out. Do you you know where? And it is, I know from the doc, it was South Beach was where he lived. I think it's probably where the most said. But I just, in my headcanon, that's where it is. And they used to hang out. Yeah, Yeah, I want to believe that. And I want that scene. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, timeline checks out because this is in the 80s. Yeah, 80s and 90s. That's actually... 
maybe that's where we could i was trying to think if there's like a good spot for us to end and maybe it is the question of like a society that does not does not have a place for steven russell you know what what is is what came first for steven did does the social conditions of his mother to you know abandon him uh, does that leave the whole, is it the society that refuses to like validate his, his sexuality? We don't get a lot of that, but it seems, you know, him and, uh, Philip talk about it like once about like how he kind of is keeping him, keeping him as dust and this princess in the castle and his or housewife, mm-hmm. I think is maybe the other way you phrase it. Um, and is sort of hiding their relationship from the world. And we don't really explore that a ton. Yeah. Sort of the ways in which Steven is going back in the closet when he gets this very high power CFO I mean, he job. goes and plays golf. Yeah. Yeah. Why <laughs> did you start eating Kleenex? Is that what I believe was the line you McGregor has? I yeah, think that pretty, is the line. Pretty good. good. <laughs> <laughs> what straighter thing can you do than play yeah, golf? Yeah. That's pretty so funny. funny. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess that's like a whole interesting, interesting avenue of the psychology of Stephen A. Russell that mm-hmm. just kind of goes untapped. Uh, you know, and we look at the the adoption stuff a little bit because mm-hmm. the inciting incident of the movie is him like leaving the police force after he finds his mom, uh, which is the whole reason he joined the police force, um, which is so funny. Mm-hmm. And again, like speaks to this this guy who will stop at nothing to achieve his goals, mm-hmm. even if like his methods are outside of the social norm. And, and, you know, you think the thing that maybe he learns is that his goals are not going to satisfy him. Like, if, if the movie's got, like, an Aesop's Fables moral, mm-hmm. it, it is that, you know, he, you know, talks about how expensive it is to be gay in South mm-hmm. Beach. And the thing is, it, it doesn't have to be. Yeah. yeah. You, know, um, you don't... The lifestyle he wants. It's a life, yeah. 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 And, yeah. And, and, beca- and his relentless pursuit of that is what ends up turning to ashes in his mm-hmm. hands, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just... It's, finding the thing that he really wants, you know, that one loving relationship. That's the, that's the thing that he wants. And he doesn't even realize it till he's lost it, you know? Yeah. And then I guess that's the tragedy of the character a little bit there. It is sad. Yeah. I mean, again, my dude's on lockdown. That's real. Mm, that's just yeah, what this awful. guy's life is. It's, mm-hmm. that's a tragedy. Yeah. Quit uh, right now, dude. Build a better jail. I don't know what to tell you. One <laughs> <laughs> with, one with Dalton. <laughs> Let him go. The sheer incompetency of this place to allow this to happen. Again, if times. you get one over on the state of Texas that many, that many times, should have to give you the, the keys to multiple cities. That's so funny. Or the governorship. One of the yeah, two. Yeah, exactly. If you if you if you clown the state that hard, just run the state at that point. <laughs> I love king. It's that a, it's gets a new voting system. <laughs> yeah, with fucking having HIV by doctoring one set of notes, and no one ever administers another test. Not a one. Not yeah. a one. Because Texas. Yeah. Texas. <laughs> I believe nobody it. else wants to catch it. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's so very funny. Yeah. And again, I, I another to this movie, like taking place firmly and then the timeline of the AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. We don't really different movie. Mm-hmm. Don't really have time for yeah, it. Philadelphia. Yeah. 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 So I All guess right. should we render a verdict? Let's render a verdict. Shelf trash or streaming. What do you say, Arthur? No. <sighs> I don't either. Man, I just. I think we're going to just very, 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 very gently put it on top of the, the trash pile. It just doesn't feel essentially mm-hmm. like this is a thing you need to see or seek out. But if you do, it's a good time. It's definitely a fun time. But, but mm-hmm. I don't have, you know, I, I watched it 11, 12 years ago and nothing shifted my life. So, yeah. Shelf trash or, or stream. The ad stream is an option no, now since last show. We've made this whole thing so convoluted over the last 13 years that I will say stream. Uh, he hadn't given it to me. Video as an on demand. Yeah, VOD. 
Um, I, honestly, actually, yes. Arthur's right, though. If it weren't streaming, I would say it's worth like a $4 rental if you had to shell out for like a, a YouTube or a Amazon rental. Like, it's good. It's like Arthur said, I hadn't seen it since probably on 2015, maybe even earlier than that, but a little later than Arthur. And I've never had a desire to revisit it, but I wasn't mad to rewatch it. It's goes down smooth, smooth. It's a farming film. It's, you know, it's got pathos. It's got comedy. It's, it's got a little bit of everything. It's got adventure, you know, a little bit of everything thing. I think Laron, our, our friend called it a catch me if you can on the yeah, box, which fair. Yeah, it is. That's what it is. It is. It's that. And if that sounds cool to you, if that's up your alley, you should absolutely watch this. But I don't, I don't know that you need to own it. I'm sorry. It is good, but not that good. What about you, Dustin? A uh, stream, for sure. Yeah. For, I mean, it's like, yeah, I think people ought to watch it, but do you need to buy it or like avoid it? I don't think you need to avoid it. I don't think you need to buy it. So that's where, that's where I fall, where I fall on that. So it's <laughs> just angry over there. Uh, we're probably wrong about a number of things. Um, tell us how we are. We are wrong and don't tell you how to tell us we're wrong. Yeah. If you've got identity politics to treat us to send us, I can't promise you I'll read it, but I'll try. Uh, that's goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com for all the reasons we're wrong. Goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com for your feedback. We would love to hear it. Uh, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, do all that bullshit, whether you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify or another way of getting podcasts onto your device. You know, give us the stars. It helps us out. Uh, puts us in the algorithm a little bit more. Uh, what else do you need to know? Uh, if you want to see what we're watching, maybe uh, figure out what, what the coming programming is going to be by seeing what all three of us have watched. Uh, you can follow us on Letterboxd. Uh, he's Dustin Sells. He's Arthur Gordon. I'm, Dal I'm Dalton Stewart. Come find us. Woo! Last but certainly not least, if you want to support the show, patreon.com forward slash GTM. Find out what's in it for you. Things like having Arthur send you a film. Uh, we put your taste and actor preferences, and uh, we put them in the Arthurtron 9000, and he spits out uh, <laughs> a Blu-ray <laughs> recommendation. Uh, he's never missed, as far as I'm concerned. He sends Becca one every quarter, and uh, we're, always, we're always happy. So that's patreon.com forward slash GTM if you want to find out uh, more about supporting the show and what's in it for you. Arthur. Do you, wait, before, do you want to delight us? No. Uh, okay. Most of those one-star reviews are just due to the rampant homophobia of the internet. So Yeah, mm -hmm. that's kind of what I figured. Not gonna give them I had a platform. feeling most of the one-star reviews were homophobia-related. That's yeah, too bad. Uh, go fuck yourself. Uh, <laughs> if that's your reason for not liking uh, I Love You, Philip Morris. Now, normally, this is the part of the show where I'd ask Arthur what we're doing next week. But I'm, but I'm, but you, I'm the captain yeah. now. <laughs> oh, look no. at me look at me i'm the captain now and i, I look at the what we've looked at so far we've looked at a biopic mm -hmm. and we've looked at an ill-advised issues movie mm -hmm. and i thought issues biopics february movies that i just bought wait a second i haven't seen malcolm <laughs> x yet and it's black history month we're gonna watch my criterion copy of malcolm x for my host pick because I need an excuse to watch a three-hour-and-a-half movie. Uh, and we just did the Gene Dealman, so I've got, I've got the Gene now. I figure, well, why not make these guys do it with me? Uh, give us a week off so we have enough time to watch this very long movie. And we'll come back, be three representing dudes, talking about Malcolm X and Denzel Washington and Spike Lee in a week. Doesn't that sound like, like a Rage Edge uh, podcast that you need to hear? I would listen to it. Sounds like something involving a razor. I don't know. I just, I don't know. Okay. Well, thank you for that. I think it's going to be a great movie. I love that movie quite a bit. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, uh, it, it is a very, very good movie. So uh, you keep watching. We'll keep talking. Talking. 
touching, tinking, and we'll see you all next time.